Hi, thank you for listening to the Pastor's Pulpit Podcast. I'm Pastor John Earls. The sermon you're about to hear was preached at the Tarrant Bible Methodist Church located in Tarrant, Alabama. I want to thank you for listening and welcome you to be our guest for our services on Sunday mornings at 11. You can visit our website at www.tarrantbiblemethodist.com to find out more information about our church. I trust you will find this sermon beneficial as we open God's Word together and seek to apply its truths to our lives. While God is good, there are times when God seems distant. Anybody ever feel this way? Look with me at Psalm 61. We're going to take a break this morning from our uh, series on the Apostles' Creed. Lord willing, we'll pick it back up next week. But felt like this morning God directed my attention away from the Apostles' Creed for a week. And so I want, want you to look with me at Psalm 61. Psalm 61. This is the Psalm of David. And that's not what I wanted. You know, what I did is I put that soundtrack on the wrong slide. That's why it didn't work. It's been, it's been a morning, let me just tell you. Actually, I created a video with, uh, that was supposed to... That's a little bit why Kayla was off. I had created a video with that soundtrack and uh, for them to have the lyrics on the screen. And um, I, I worked hard last minute before I left home this morning to get it done. My computer crashed while it was saving, had to do it all over again. Got here to the church and it didn't save. And so then I did that and I put it on the wrong slide apparently. So that's why all that happened. But anyways, Psalm 61, David says, Hear my cry, O God. Listen to my prayer. From the end of the earth I call to you when my heart is faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For you have been my refuge, a strong tower against the enemy. Let me dwell in your tent forever. Let me take refuge under the shelter of your wings. Selah. For you, O God, have heard my vows. You've given me the heritage of those who fear your name. Prolong the life of the king. May his years endure to all generations. May he be enthroned forever before God. Appoint steadfast love and faithfulness to watch over him. So I will ever sing praises to your name as I perform my vows day after day. Now, I'm not a boxing fan, not a fan of boxing, but on, in 1980, there was a boxing match between Sugar Ray Leonard, that name familiar to anybody, between Sugar Ray Leonard and a man named Roberto Duran. It was a rematch, actually, and Roberto Duran had beat Sugar Ray Leonard in the first match between them, but in the second match, Sugar Ray Leonard's speed... Uh, came into play and gave him the advantage. And he was able to, to land several solid punches. And in the seventh round, Sugar Ray Leonard began to taunt Roberto Duran. In the eighth round, Duran had had enough. And he turned his back to Sugar Ray Leonard and he waved his glove toward him. And he told the referee, no mas. No mas. No more. In Spanish. Duran was done. He quit the fight. I'm confident this morning that all of us have times in which you feel like you've been taking punches from life. And you're ready to just say, no mas. 
That's it. I'm done. No more. Can't take any more punches. This has been, this is enough. That's why the author of Hebrews told us to lift up our drooping hands. Our hands that hang down. Because when you get weary in the battle, if you get weary in a boxing match and your hands begin to hang down, more than likely your opponent's going to land some solid punches. So you've got to lift up your drooping hands. I, maybe I've told you the story before, I can't remember, but a little boy whose dad was in the military, his, he, he, would, he was very sad when his dad left, and he would cry at night, and finally his mom had the idea of, she got a picture of the little boy's dad and put it in a frame and gave it to the boy for the boy to have at night when he missed his dad. And that seemed to work for a period of time. And then one night she heard her son crying and weeping in his room and she went into him and asked him what was wrong and the little boy through his tears said, I want daddy to come out of the frame. A picture was no longer enough. He needed his daddy. And in our spiritual life, I think probably all of us have had times in which you know that your heavenly Father is real. You believe in Him. You know He's real. You know He's good. You know He loves you. But there's just times in which you wish God would just step out of the frame, if you will, and step into your life and not be so distant. Because there's times in which we feel like God is distant. Now, we don't know when David wrote Psalm 61. Many commentators assume that he wrote it when he was uh, fleeing from his son Absalom and something, maybe he wrote it after he had returned from exile. Whatever the case, we don't know all the reasons for why, or when, I should say. We don't know when he wrote it, but we know why he wrote it. And the reason he wrote it was apparently because David was tired. He's weary. Really, this psalm and the next two psalms are, are really somewhat similar. And they're, they're a cry from the heart from David. He's praying for himself. He's feeling overwhelmed. He's feeling alienated. And he cries out and he says, God, from the end of the earth, I call to you. In other words, David felt like he was a long ways away from God. A long ways. And so he cries out to God. But really, the point of the psalm isn't in its historical circumstances, but in, its, in the spiritual condition in which David experienced this situation. Whatever the, the circumstances behind it, the fact is to David, it felt like God was a long ways away. He was distant. But I think in David's response to this feeling of being overwhelmed, this feeling of God being far away, I think his response is somewhat instructive to us because I think David shows us some things about God and what to do when God seems far away. Matthew Henry, the commentator, said this. He said, wherever we are, we have liberty to draw near to God and may find a way open to the throne of grace, wherever we are. If you're a Christian, we all, as Christians, 
have the privilege of coming boldly to the throne of grace. And so when God seems far away, what we need to do is pray. And, and David here, he prays, and he prays here with confidence in what God has done. Psalms, of course, is referred to as the hymnal of the Bible, and in this hymnal are prayers. And Psalm 61 is a prayer of David. He's crying out to God. And David, in verse 1, cries out and says, God, hear my cry. Listen to my prayer. You see, prayer is not about us saying the right words. It's about us getting to the right ear. And sometimes, I don't know about you, but I, I can struggle with praying because I, I don't feel like I always have the right words to say. But you know, God in His love and grace toward us even took care of that problem for us. You realize that? Because we're told in Romans that the Holy Spirit prays for us when we can't even come with the words to say for ourselves. He prays for us. Prayer is not about us having the right words, but the right ear. And the reality is God can hear us from anywhere. David says, from the ends of the earth I call to you. The reference here isn't necessarily physical, but it's spiritual. David feels like He's way away from God. But God can hear you from anywhere. And God can hear you when you feel overwhelmed. Aren't you thankful for that this morning? Because there's a lot of times in which I feel overwhelmed. And lately that's been more often than not. Because life just, I mean, it, it just seems like Every time you open up Facebook or the news or whatever, it's just, it's just more bad news all the time. And it seems like it's getting closer and closer to home, if, if you follow me. Like, I, you know, we've been, we've been praying for Steve Statler, and, and thank God it seems like God's helping him. And then it's Mark Sankey and other preachers now in the hospital. And just, just, there's just so much, it just seems like overwhelming. But God can hear you when you're overwhelmed. But David prays, and he, he, he first here, he begins to, to praise God for what he has done in the past. Because David prays here, and he, he remembers that God has been his rock. In verse 2 he says, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. He's affirming human inadequacy, and he's affirming divine sufficiency. David is saying here in essence, I'm small, God's big, lead me to the rock that's higher than I. God has been David's rock in the past. And one of the things we need to remind ourselves of, and when we go to prayer, we need to remind ourselves and remind God, God, you've been faithful to me in the past. You've been my rock in the past. He wants to be led to the rock, not a rock. He wants to be led to the rock. In Psalm 62 here, and the next Psalm, I should say, in 62, verse 2, he says, He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. 
I shall not be surely greatly shaken. In verse 7 of the next psalm, he says, On God rest my salvation and my glory, my mighty rock, my refuge is God. So David says in the next psalm, but here in Psalm 61, he says, Lead me to the rock that's higher than I. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ, than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. In a, in a world that's full of turmoil, you and I must go to the rock that is higher than us. And if you're feeling overwhelmed, if life is just beating you up, run to the rock. Go to the rock and get your feet on solid ground. God has not only been David's rock, but he's also been David's refuge. He wants God to protect him. When my heart's overwhelmed, lead me to the rock. And then he says, for you've been a shelter for me. You've been a shelter. A strong tower from the enemy. He's been David's refuge. He's been David's security. A strong tower against the enemy. Strong tower was a place of defense. And David says, God, you've been my security. You've been my protection. Church, we need the presence of God to help us. And when you have God's presence, you find out like David, if you look at verse 4 now, David says, let me dwell in your tent forever. And the reason he can say that is because God's presence satisfies. God's, uh, David says, as long as I can be where you are, God, that's where I want to be. Your presence is what satisfies. You see, the reason why we get feeling like we're separated from God is because we start to nibble at the table of the world. We think we need the stuff of this world to satisfy. And if there's distance between us and God, it's not because God moved, it's because we moved. And if we want to be satisfied, we've got to dwell in His tabernacle, in His tent forever. Because God's presence is what really meets the deep longings of our heart. I find that often when I get the most frustrated and overwhelmed and irritable and all those types of things, it's because I've not been spending time with God. I've been spending time with Facebook and Fox News or whatever else. Or maybe I'm just letting life dictate to me the amount of time that I spend with God instead of me dictating to my life, I'm going to spend time with God and not allow life to push Him out. You follow me? David said in Psalm 27, One thing I've asked of the Lord, and that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. That's what David wanted. 
Because not only does God's presence satisfy, but he also knew that God's presence would sustain him. It would shelter him. Let me take refuge under the shelter of your wings. You've been my refuge, is what he said in verse 3. And now in verse 4 he says, let me take refuge under the shelter of your wings. He knew that in God's presence was the protection and the sustenance that he needed. We all know how mother birds will protect their babies in a storm. Psalm 17, keep me as the apple of your eye, hide me in the shadow of your wings. Psalm 57, be merciful to me, O God, be merciful to me, for in you my soul takes refuge in the shadow of your wings. I will take refuge to the storms of destruction passed by. And here in Psalm 61, let me dwell in your tent forever. Let me take refuge under the shelter of your wings. Remember what Jesus said on, on Palm Sunday? After they welcomed him, then Jesus lamented, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stoned those who are sent to it, how often would I have gathered you, your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, but you would not. See, God wants to shelter us under his wings. He wants to sustain us, but we've got to let him. You see, God is sovereign, but God also offers to us, gives to us a free will to determine whether or not we're going to go to him or not. Jerusalem had rejected him. And Jesus said, I would have sheltered you under my wings. But you wouldn't. So David here is praying in Psalm 61. He's praying in confidence in what God has done. He's asking God to do some things. But he also prays here in confidence in what God will do. You see, in verse 5, he says, For you, O God, have heard my vows. You've given me the heritage of those who fear your name. You know, if you want to have confidence and you want to feel God's presence when he seems far away, first thing you need to do is start by acknowledging the faithfulness of God. God has not been unfaithful to you. If there's any unfaithfulness, it's on your part and on my part, not on his part. God is always faithful. Now, here in verse 5, in verse 1, David asked God to hear him. In verse 5, David acknowledges that God has heard him. Verse 1, hear my cry, O God. Verse 5, for you, O God, have heard. But now, notice the difference. In verse 1, he wants God to hear his cry. In verse 5, he says God has heard his vow. God has heard his vow. David has made some promises to God. 
And the very fact that God had heard his vow was all the proof that David needed to trust the faithfulness of God. God, I know you heard me. You heard me, God. You realize this morning that being a Christian is first and foremost about receiving, about asking, about depending. It's when you and I don't feel needy that we get in trouble. When you don't feel needy, and so when you don't feel needy, you don't pray much. When you don't feel needy, you begin to lose your grip on reality, and then you begin to think and you act in unchristian ways. God wants us to always be needing Him. But what we so often do is we fall into self-sufficiency mode. And we only cry out to Him when we can't do it on our own. Which the reality is, we can't do anything on our own, but we're foolish enough to try. In fact, as you and I grow as Christians, you, should be, you shouldn't feel more self-sufficient, but you should feel more needy. Because we need God even more than what we understand. And so the deeper you go with God, the more you will realize how much you need Him. If you ever feel like you don't need God, you're in serious trouble spiritually. I think, though, one of our issues is we have made prayer such a matter of performance and duty that we don't simply cry out to our Father like a child. I read something this week. I wish I had it here in front of me. I don't have the quote exactly. Have you, you ever heard like that quote about Martin Luther who said he was, something along the lines, he was so busy that he had to have five hours in prayer every day. All right, you ever heard that quote before? Have you ever heard the other quote from Martin Luther? Where he writes to his friend, and he says, I've been so distant from God for the past eight days, I haven't even, I'm, I'm summarizing here because I don't have it in front of me, but uh, I haven't even bothered to pray for the past eight days. You see, sometimes we can, we can hold up these great things like, you know, pray five hours a day. And we all know that's not reality. Now, if you're able to pray for five hours straight, thank God for you. Most of us are probably more in the line of five minutes straight. But you know what? That's okay. My son is an introvert, but if you get my son by himself or you get him excited about something, it's like you wound up the batteries. I mean, this week, all right, you may, you may condemn me for this. You may condemn us for this. But this week we were, we were eating together and uh, my, my, we got talking about our, our um, light the night thing that we always have at Halloween. And we're talking about, well, what are you going to dress up as? 
And my wife made a suggestion that something, my son loves dinosaurs. So she made a suggestion, something about dinosaurs, Jurassic Park or something. And it just lit my son's fire. And he talked my ear off for about 10, 15 minutes. And I'm buzzing at this point. I don't want to hear nothing more about dinosaurs. Now, thank God. Don't compare me to God because that's not how, what God's like. But my son's a child, right? And there's times in which he comes to me and talks my ear off. And then there's other times it's just a few words here and there. He doesn't cease to be my child because he doesn't talk my ear off all the time. Are you following me? Sometimes we've made prayer such a matter of, oh, I can't pray an hour a day, so whew, I can't pray an hour straight. I run out of words at five minutes. Maybe you don't, but I do. Just being straight with you this morning. But the more we grow as a Christian, the more needy we'll realize we are. And so throughout the day, we cry out to our Heavenly Father, Daddy, I need you. Because I don't know how to do this. I don't have the wisdom for this. Verse 5, David says, You've given me the heritage of those who fear your name. The name of God reflects God's nature, His character, His authority. And to truly know God's name is to live in a holy fear of saying or doing anything that would dishonor His name. And so as we go through our day, God, I don't want to dishonor you. God, I'm getting frustrated with my kids right now. God, help me not to dishonor Your name to my children. God, my son... I'm, I'm, I'm just making this up right now, okay? My son, I, I don't understand him. Or my daughter, I don't understand what she's doing. Maybe it's your grown children. God, help me not to say or do anything that would dishonor your name. Are you still with me this morning? Those who fear the name of the Lord receive a heritage... And we receive the benefits of being in covenant with God. And one of those covenants is we can go to God at any time through Jesus who's made the way for us. And David is praying with confidence that God will do what God does because he, he does so by acknowledging the faithfulness of God and he trusts in the promises of God. Look at verse 6. He says, Prolong the life of the king... May his years endure to all generations. Now wait a minute here. David, you do realize, David, that you're going to die at some point. Right? I mean, David is just praying here, God, prolong my life. But the phrase that really is important there is that phrase, may his years endure to all generations. Why would David pray that way? He's not dumb. He knows that every person that has lived to this point has died. David doesn't think God's going to give him just that he's never going to die. David's praying for himself, but he's actually praying beyond himself. 
And David knows that in 2 Samuel, God had made a covenant with David that he would establish the throne of David, David's kingdom forever. And since God had given David that promise, David is laying hold of that promise in this prayer in Psalm 61. And how would that, that promise ultimately be fulfilled? Well, it would be ultimately be fulfilled when the Lord will give to him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. Who was that spoken about? That was spoken about Jesus to Mary. You see, God kept his promise to David, and God did establish the throne of David's kingdom forever, and he did so through Jesus Christ, because God always keeps his promise, and Jesus is the ultimate proof that God always keeps his word. And the reason I tell you all of that is because when you and I go to prayer, if God has made a promise, you can take the promise to the bank. Because God keeps his promises. He keeps his word. So David prays in confidence in what God would do, and he commits himself to praising God and performing his vows to God no matter what. The psalm begins with a lamentation, and it ends with a celebration, because in verse 8, David says, So I will sing praise to your name forever, that I may daily perform my vows, or that I may perform my vows day by day. You see, grateful praise is the appropriate response to answered prayer. But the prayer hasn't been answered yet for David, but David is going ahead and he's committing. He's saying, God, I'm going to praise you, but I'm also going to keep on doing what I vowed to do day after day. The answer to David's prayer hadn't come yet but he's already decided how he's going to respond to God ahead of time. He's predetermined his response. And he's going to praise God. Augustine said, They that are godly are oppressed and vexed in the church or congregation for this purpose, that when they are pressed, they should cry. And when they cry, that they should be heard. And when they are heard, that they should laud and praise God. You realize that probably some of those times in which we feel overwhelmed, it's God's good grace to us that He's allowing us to feel overwhelmed so that we will remember Him. David's determined to worship God. And so he cries out to God. It's been said that prayer is enjoying the care of a powerful father. Instead of being left to a frightening loneliness where everything is all down to you, prayer is the antithesis of self-dependence. It's our no to independence and our no to personal ambition. It is the exercise of faith that you need God and are a needy receiver. 
if you feel like saying no mas, no more, that's when you need to run to the Father. And it's okay to be needy. In fact, that's exactly where God wants us to be. Because He wants us to depend on Him. You see, we often try to mold God in our image. We like to be independent. We don't really like people to depend on us too much because then they can put expectations on us. Or maybe that's just me. But God wants us to depend on Him. Prayer is not some kind of abstract activity. It's the chief exercise of our faith. It's exercising the belief that our Almighty God is a willing and a kind Father, and that He accepts me in His Son, and He wants to hear me, He wants to bless me, in fact, as we've talked about over the past few weeks, every person in the Trinity is for us in our weakness. And so when you're tempted to quit, and when God seems distant, run to the Father. Again and again. If you're tempted to quit, go to your great high priest. Because he's made the way for you into the most holy place. If you're tempted to quit and say, no mas, remember that the Spirit is praying for you in your weakness. Go to Him. And I'm thankful this morning that He's made it possible for us to go to Him. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, thank You for the great privilege You give us to come to You in prayer. Forgive us, Lord, for our prayerlessness. Forgive us, Lord, for trying to handle the circumstances of our lives on our own strength. Lord, the pressures of life can seem overwhelming. And there's times in which you may seem like you're distant. But Lord, your word reminds us that you're not. We can come boldly to you. So Lord, help us to avail ourselves to the privilege that you've given us to come to you in prayer. Help us, Lord, to depend on you and not ourselves. Help us to realize that none of us are sufficient in ourselves. None of us can make it on our own. We must have you. Lord, we don't know what tomorrow holds. We don't even know what the rest of this day holds. But Lord, we know that if we go with you, you'll lead us through. So help us, Lord, to trust in you. In Jesus' name, we ask these things through the power of the Spirit. Amen. Amen. God bless you. I'm sorry. Oh, yes, thank you. It's Grandparents' Day. Forgive me. And uh, I meant to say something earlier in the service and forgot. It's been a day. Um, grandparents, we have a little gift for you up here. 
and I think we'd probably like to get a picture of you. So grandparents, if you'll come, if you have grandchildren, come get yourself a gift. I think maybe the brown bags are for the men and the pretty bags are for the ladies. <laughs> Just how it is, all right? So grandparents, help yourselves. <clears throat>